0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenicast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Alan. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, we are celebrating the new year, 2018. Uh, If you're listening to this on the day of download, it is the second day of 2018, and we just figured we'd start off the year right by talking about progress and personal growth and what do we do with our theology, and can we be better Christians? Is that even a silly notion to say that you can be better at spirituality in any way, shape, or form? We're going to explore those things in our conversation. And to keep the theme alive for our segment this year... This year and today, we're going to be talking about our New Year's resolutions, whether we do them or not, and if we find any benefit in them at all. So this is all about the new,
1: and it is actually January first as of this recording yes. right now.
0: We are recording on the first, and we'll be posting on the second. We don't normally do this big of a turnaround, but uh, <laughs> it's been quite the crazy last few days for both of us. So, mm-hmm. um, but but we're excited.
1: We could begin with like, why the heck does Personal growth trigger me. A bunch of Christians talking about personal growth, and it's like I'll turn that off faster than I don't know something that turns off really fast. <laughs> well,
0: I think that that's true, and I think that that has a lot to do with where you and I are coming from yeah. in our spiritual journey. So, so this this idea for this particular episode, obviously driven by the fact that we're in the new year, but also um, coming from a place that Alan's been thinking about. So, Alan, why don't mm-hmm. you frame the conversation for us as we we continue, man?
1: Oh, my goodness. I've been actually mulling this over since I would say my days at master's college, and my bachelor's degree in biblical studies. I had a crisis that was like, is there anything left to do <laughs> in faith and religion? Like, is there stuff left to do? Because the reformers got it all right. You know, like they've given us everything we need. And all we do is just kind of copy and paste for the rest of our lives. And that's what like faith and the work of theology is. So that's kind of where it all started. But lately I've been mulling over. There's an article that I that I read by a guy named Corey DeVos, uh, like the person who's in our education chair right now, I think. <laughs> Last name, but I don't think they're related. Um he wrote that uh there's this shift that needs to happen inside of religions, um, and inside of Christianity, uh, the Christian tradition, where like you see other places of human inquiry, like uh uh, astronomy. It used to be astrology. Astrology was this like, you know, magical prediction of things that would happen because of looking at the stars that changed into astronomy or alchemy became chemistry and like uh, theocracy in, in politics became um, democracy. And we see this shift in all these other areas of human experience. And the, the question that he has is like, what is theology becoming? Like, what is there room to grow and change? And, to evolve as um, a practice of human discipline. And I found that fascinating and it brings up, you know, uh, questions about personal work. Like, is there such a thing as spiritual intelligence? Uh, I know that uh, Howard Gardner talked about like eight different or nine different types of intelligence back in the day. Um, interpersonal intelligence, like, you know, between people, emotional intelligence. You probably heard of that before. I know I've mentioned it on this podcast before because I've read a few books. You can measure your IQ, but, you know, how how in touch are you with how you feel or how other people feel? Um There's musical intelligence, you know, on and on body like kinesthetic. How does your you're aware of your body and um space and stuff like that? I guess my question is like, what is there such a thing as spiritual intelligence? And I kind of want to frame that question, Jeff, away from what I understood before as spiritual, not spiritual in the sense that like, oh, it's not physical. It's spiritual or not spiritual in the sense of like kind of like a magical sort of thing, but spiritual as in like an embodied practice. Um, Is there an intelligence that's involved in that? So I have all these things in my mind, and this is coming after I've deconstructed where I've been before the question of, can you be a better Christian or do faith better would have been laughable in our previous context. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's all the sermons. Here's nine ways you can <laughs> you know, be yeah. a better. It was whatever. essential
0: because essentially, I mean, I've heard, I heard it said explicitly and then it's kind of the, the undertone of everything that you're taught in that, in that area of faith is that you are, moving towards perfection right like holiness you, That's yeah right. exactly so mm-hmm. you're you're purging things in your life as you go along and you get better and better i mean even the terms that they use when people slip up backsliding like it's this backwards motion anytime you make a mistake or you do something outside of the prescribed way of living and doing faith uh i 10 commandments or you know whatever your church leader has a boner for that week you know <laughs>
1: That's a whole separate issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The cult of personality. Good goodness gracious. Um, The idea that holiness is the project and that we're getting better all the time is something that, like, you know, purity codes were made for Mm -hmm. like you're you're more pure. You can always read the Bible more. You can always pray more. You can always sin less. Right. And like that's that's the goal of uh, the Christianity that I was bequeathed that was given to me. You know, we had a conversation a long time ago. This seems like ages a different planet to me but Jeff you told me um you know there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more or <laughs> will bring God closer to you or something like that God is present right and God loves you and I was like I don't know how that sits with me <laughs> I was like I I've been told my whole life that I'll be closer to God and God'll be closer to me if I do certain things right um and so I think there's in this conversation let's set aside some of that stuff like you know God does love you and God is present and there's nothing you can do that's going to like you know Push God further away from you because we exist inside of God, right? Setting aside those ideas and setting aside like the evangelical quest for purity and hard work, right? The work ethic. Are there things that we can do, intelligences that we can nurture or practices that we can do that like make us better at this thing that we're doing? Faith or religion or Christianity, like that, that's kind of progress that we can put work into and that we can actually see fruit from. Is that something that we should even be interested in? And, uh, it's been mulling around in my mind. Like I want to get better at it. You know, I can, you can always get better at preaching. I, I preach or I do counseling. I can get better at preaching, right? I can bore people less <laughs> or I can like <laughs> stop going off on tangents or get rid of saying, um, all the time. And it makes my preaching clearer and more easy to grasp and things. So just, you know, things you can do. Uh, it's the same thing with listening with, you know, counseling situations. You can get better at being a counselor. Can you get better at like, spirituality and uh being a spiritual person and um and I, I guess maybe that term is laden but following Christ and and doing this thing of faith is it something that we can progress in and I don't know what that looks like now now that I'm in the in this new place so I'm bringing that to the podcast to you for all of the answers and to our listeners where where are we headed in the big picture and what can I do in the small picture
0: you know Right, right.
1: I've been mulling that over for like a couple of years now. Well, you know what I think it's at
0: maybe not the heart of it, but I think at least an element of this idea or this struggle of how we get better or whether we can improve or whatever is that underneath all of it, we were taught that there was this one truth, this one way that we had to continually seek and we're getting a piece of it you know it's like harry potter world you know you get better at your powers and you (laughs) or whatever and you 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 hone your skills and you become better and better and you become or you can use the jedi analogy harry potter world whatever (laughs) Um, and i think that that's kind of like if you really boil it down to that that's kind of what we were taught is that you're you're tapping into something that is other than you and the more you right. deny who you are the more uh, perfect you are the more connected you are to that mode or th- to that way
1: can and, i jump in right right, right there you yeah. just put a pin right in something that i think that i was working on yes oh my gosh okay so that's like the the magical way of doing it right and i think what what this person uh, devos was writing about is like Science is a human ex- is experience based. Science is like human beings are doing things and getting better at it and like refashioning it, right? Theology is a human inquiry and as a human meaning making adventure, which is important, is a way of looking at it that uh, is totally different than where we came from. What we came from was what you just said, not you tapping into something that's other than you. You're almost not even involved. You just got to get out of the way. You're a vessel. Right. Whereas, and I, I still believe in some of that stuff, right? I, it still informs my thinking. But I think looking at it from this perspective that I'm kind of advocating for right now and maybe exploring at the moment is the opposite. It's like, God, the, the theology uh, and religion are practices of humanity, of us bringing meaning. This is what you've been talking about from almost the first episode of this podcast, and I think I'm starting to get it. Like <laughs> creating meaning, which is not like. To say that it matters less just because human beings are creating this meaning. It doesn't make it matter less because it's not coming from this outside source or whatever. Right. Right. Maybe it is God acting with us at the same time. Who knows? Regardless, it's like this meaning making thing that we're doing is what I want to know if we can get better at. And I know we can. Like if, if you frame it that way, we can get better at it. Right. We can do more of it or like practice it. Just like we were talking about science. You can you can. uh this human activity is something that we can refine or well, at least add to. I
0: think we need to define better, right? So you can get better yeah. at s- something scientific. Like you can get better. You can get more understanding and do yes. something. But then once you get better at the thing, what do you use it? You know, what if if you figure out how to like use water to make power and you can, you can power your whole house, you know, with yes. a cup of water and you figure that out. Exactly. That's great. But then what are you going to use it for? Are you going to use it to like – Hoard money, or you know, destroy civilizations, and the same thing's true with with anything. Is w- as we understand the, the 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 nuts and bolts and the technical part of anything, whether it's spirituality, the the nuts and bolts are theology books, thinkers, mm-hmm. um, biblical studies, all that kind of stuff. But then, what do we do with it?
1: Right, and I think that things are measured. Modes of human inquiry are measured on their results, on their, pre- and this is what scientists will tell you. Science is better than religion, quote-unquote better or different than religion. And this is what they would say. Alchemy or uh, chemistry is different than alchemy based on what it produces and what it can predict. And so, like, the predictive power of science is what is so compelling about it is that, like, in alchemy, you tried to add all this stuff together to get gold, and it's like, did you make gold? No. (laughs) You know, and, like, in chemistry, it's like, hey, if we add this and this, this is going to happen. And the predictive power of that science is really compelling. It's like, wow, that did happen because you put those two things together. And on the whole, science gets stronger and stronger because of this predictive power. And you have all of these things that are produced from it, right? Religion, especially the Christian tradition and where it's headed and where it's at now, the question is, what is it creating? Looking looking at it that way, you have to look at like what its power is in what it's creating and what it's doing. And so assessing it that way, there's gotta be a way to refine it and to do it in better ways, you know? Science gets better in reference to itself, it overcomes hurdles and obstacles. Does Christianity do that? Does it better itself as a practice that overcomes certain obstacles? For DeVos, like he he talks about uh theology becoming less tribalistic or ethnocentric, and more global, and more like under, understanding from a bigger perspective, or um, less belief based and more experience based, and a lot of different kind of tensions or whatever, or less magical, more mystical. I think that part is what I'm actually focusing on right now. Is like I think on the personal level that spiritual intelligence is a real thing knowing how meaning interacts between the meaning of politics and society and faith and all that stuff, that's an intelligence to see how the stuff uh, fits together and what it's creating it is a spiritual intelligence. Like you just said, you can power your whole house, but what is it creating? What's the meaning beyond that? To me, that's a spirituality. You could be a humanistic. You, you could have a humanistic spirituality like Kurt Vonnegut, one of my favorite authors, right? He's a, he's atheist. He, he's a humanist and he has this meaning making intelligence. That's like, friggin' bonkers compared to where, <laughs> you know, some other people are at or whatever. He's really good at it, Um, at least seeing things and and integrating them in a certain way. And I think that the same thing goes for for religion. For me, part of that is the practices and tools of faith that that we are given, identifying them and using them and getting better at it. And part of that is like attention, our attention to the physical world around us, the cultural world, stuff like that. It's like a holy practice. Um, it just seems to me that there are a lot of people who have gone through biblical studies or theology. They're arriving at different places, and they're rediscovering that contemplation is like one of the most important parts of our faith. And I think that that's like one tool that um, you can get better at in being contemplative in your faith. So that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but
0: – It makes sense. I, and I, I, I think I'm still honestly tripping up on the word better, which is something that I've I probably should be. work yeah. through – my whole time. So here comes the obligatory parent example. Um, I try not to jump into these too often, but uh, had a certain set of skills <laughs> you know, uh, in the beginning of my daughter's life, you know, something that I didn't want to learn that I had to learn. I had to learn to change diapers and I got better at it. I had a system that was down to where that I had the least amount of stuff on me and everything would just happen. But eventually the context, those skills, no matter how good I got of them, they're useless now because they're doing that thing on their own. So I don't need to be involved in that process. And I think when we're talking about better, we're we're forgetting the fact that that culture is changing, right? Yeah. So it goes down to our even back to our old whole idea of how we read the Bible, right? If we yeah. read the Bible in the mindset of are we getting better? Are we better understanding it and then skipping the other part of how do we then translate it into today? How do we how do we take those things to what's happening right now here and now and make them pliable and make them something there. So I have a problem with the word better and evolution and things because it requi- it makes that whatever your past experience was lesser. And I don't think that that's mm. true. I think it's just irrelevant. And I think yeah. that there's a difference between those two things. Like, I, I don't think that people who have, have believe what I believed when I was full on in the evangelical world, that they're, that I've evolved beyond them or that I'm better than them, I'm in a different place to where now those things cannot be relevant to me. And what dictated those things were my life experiences, my ability or lack of ability at times to contemplate. And Hmm. that's been a real – that's been a thing that I've tried to embrace as much as possible because especially now, and I've expressed this in the show in the past, is that I'm having a real hard time and have had a real hard time with the justification that's happened around uh, Trump and all that kind of stuff and not getting into that mode of better or worse – more advanced, less advanced, all that kind of stuff, and really trying to re-embrace that as a spiritual discipline, because I have to remind myself that I would have been in that same place if not for a couple building blocks that I didn't or did have.
1: Do, do you think that it's any less paternalistic uh, to say that the former way of doing things is like irrelevant, framing it in the terms of relevance and no relevance as opposed to progress? Like, the, like, is it any less derogatory to say, like, oh, that person's irrelevant as opposed to that person's a little further down on the journey of this certain direction that I'm headed?
0: Well, n- framed that way. It is no different, but framed from the perspective of that is now something that is irrelevant to me in the sense that it's not part of my scope in the way that I'm doing, but it's still very much part of the scope. But just me. Exactly. Just me. And that's where I'm at. And and there are people –
1: I find that really helpful. I don't mean to cut you off like that. That's really helpful. <laughs> I really think so.
0: Well, it, it's been helpful for me so far. I've, I've had some bumps in the road. But I think that th- that's the problem. And, and I've really struggled with this, especially, you know, we'll, we'll talk later when we talk about our New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was the hardest thing for me in practice to kind of give up was to be like, well, I don't need to do that and not have that guilt or that leftover residue of, well, am I not being a better person or am I not progressing as a person? Because I'm very much a... An evaluation kind of person like i look at my every year i get into this mode of okay what worked what didn't work and helps me move forward i'm always relooking at things and that's informed by a lot of good things and also it's formed by a lot of bad things like mm-hmm. insecurity and whatever and i and i can't compare to things right like i can't compare my year last year to another year because there's all kinds of different circumstances and there're some years of my life that have been filled with tragedy and things that have just been ridiculous and hard. And if I was just taking it on the the numbers of, well, you did this many good things and this many bad things, then those years where I had difficulty would be considered, quote unquote, bad. But they were necessary. Right. I had to work through those things. I had to go through those things. Yeah. And I think that when we're talking about the big picture of spirituality, the way that the church interacts with the world is that anytime it seems to be a cycle where the church gets into this place where. They're either so removed from the, I don't know, I don't want to say like real people, but they're just removed from like everyday life, and they need a reinvention, and they try a bunch of things to try to be relevant instead of just oh, looking so, at people. So, and, so
1: we're t- we're taking like medieval pra- medieval ideas and practices and language and ways of, language and ways of doing faith and like working really hard to make it fit to modern or contemporary life, as opposed to like. Pursuing all that stuff from this new place that we're at, right? Yeah,
0: because I think that's the heart of spirituality. Is the heart of spirituality is changing, especially from a large organization, because people are changing, cultures changing. If we are, even if we're going to approach the world as clergy or church leaders or anything, this year the way that we did two years ago, it's completely different. Like, right? At least in the United States, the fact that that Trump is our president and all the things that have happened for that, if we cannot approach the same way that mm-hmm. we've done it. Um, I, I haven't That's been too doing much work, Jeff. I know it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier to, to, you know,
0: I haven't been doing it as much lately at my church, but um, because of the end of the year, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. I usually do. I mentioned this before in the show, but I usually do the, the prayers of the people like, prayer right during the service or whatever
1: oh my god 2017 and, was the worst oh
0: yeah it was hard like going it up there so sometimes hard. and being like well what am i gonna do and a couple weeks ago i had it and it was right after the news came out about the the words that had been banned by oh yeah, uh, from right. the cdc in their budget report or whatever uh so i
1: like vulnerable. <laughs> I I,
0: <laughs> I was sitting there just before my time in prayer and I just wrote those words down. And I was like, I'm going to incorporate every single one of these words in the prayer that I'm about to pray. And I did. And it made an impact on people. And I think it's because it's something that wasn't separated. It wasn't written down like this liturgy of words that are right. relevant to us at all, but it brought something in to where we can stop and be like, okay, the spiritual exercise that we are doing on a regular basis has grounding for today, has relevance yeah. for today. But if I take those words and I pray them a year from now, well why right. what point right. what's the
1: point? It's, it's side note like I legit cried last night. <laughs> you know, this may surprise everyone, but I'm kind of, you know, in touch with my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's an understatement. Last night, last night I watched this Vox uh, you know 2017 in a 7-minute review and it has a lot of stuff about Trump, a lot of stuff global things that have happened it leaves out like the Las Vegas massacre, but you know, it it hits on a lot of different things. It let that out. Yeah, it did. But still, it's a really compelling video. And by the end of it, like I was with a friend and like, I started crying and I was like, it's been a really hard year being a pastor, (laughs) like being the one to have to like, kind of be the canvas on which all this stuff is happening. Prayers of people, people are bringing stuff up or I bring something up, having to freaking check the news before I go into church because who knows what huge, awful thing has happened right before, you know, walking in like hurricanes and earthquakes and shootings and like terrorist stuff. And like just an unbelievable amount in 2017, it felt like. And so it, it was just hard having to digest all that and be like, and where the where the frick is God and <laughs> all of that? And like, yeah, but how Alan, does that Alan,
0: at least you're oh. bringing that into the pulpit. At least you're bringing it into the church. That's the problem: is but almost no one or anyone <laughs> is bringing it into the church. It's being left out of the church. It's not. We don't want to be political. It's all, even though our gospel is filled with political rhetoric, as far as the and word Jesus gospel was
1: crucified by the government. <laughs> exactly, like all that stuff. And that that's yeah. been hard
0: hard for me is to see people not bring those into the pulpit. As hard as it is. You know, you want to talk about you want to talk about better or worse. I'll tell you, that's worse is to not bring (laughs) those things in and be relevant to the world around us. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, yeah,
1: it was a really hard year. Um, Yeah, it
0: was. It was. It was a difficult year to frame because it was everything came at us. You know, it wasn't just one issue. It was. You know, so
1: I hear what I hear what you're saying is like kind of a different way of being a more. Uh, what's relevant to you right now is having a spirituality that's integrated with the other parts of human experience that are happening right now. Absolutely, like having like touching all of it. It's like a glue, being. you know. It's like a, it's
0: like an adhesive. It's you know, we talk about God being like the ground of being or the thing that's holding us together and all that. And I feel like our spiritual, our spirituality, should be a reflection of that in our lives. It's the right. thing that kind of keeps everything not in balance because I don't like that word either. But like it keeps everything. But accompanies
1: everything exactly. Yeah.
0: It doesn't allow me to compartmentalize.
1: I like that, too. And that's why I like the word attention. I like to pay attention to all this stuff yes. with like that framework of meaning, like that being a part of, of the experience. And I think that sometimes we get we're, we're bad at that. At least I am. I'm not as good at paying attention that, in that kind of way. It's so easy to turn off and to just be a passive observer, you know, and just be someone who's not engaged. Um, that alone is one area of rocket fuel. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been reading lots of news <laughs> um, <laughs> that could like boost our pursuit of this thing that we're, we're doing faith and Christianity and all of it. Um, and I think it hinders us when we hold on to the binary of better or worse, good or right, bad, but different. Okay. Exactly. So f- for instance, uh, but still, but still, it still feels like there's a reference point out there somewhere like a uh, phrenology you know, so phrenology is where you feel bumps on your head. Yeah, they used uh-huh. to like feel people's heads. First of all, I love the idea of a head massage. Like, I would totally let someone do phrenology on me if you want to do it. Like, I'll even pay you. You can tell me stuff about my personality by touching my head. All right. Right.
0: Alan, perhaps you shouldn't be uh offering to pay people for physical favors to you over the, right. the podcast. Okay. I take that back.
1: <clears throat> I'm a reverend after all. um uh, they're like, they touch your head, right? And they feel all the ridges and bumps and they'll tell you things about your personality that became psychology. And those are totally two different, almost two totally different pursuits. You could be really good at phrenology, but that has nothing to do with psychology. You know what I mean? Like you could be great at touching people's head and figuring out what part connects to what, but it's a totally different thing. That's irrelevant, but they're connected somehow. And we can say, this is better than that based on the results. How has phrenology helped people cope better with their lives and respond to things better and arrive at better mental health? How has psychology done that? And so I look at like pre-modern ways. Okay, I was given a pre-modern faith, you know? You believe in the Bible. Criticism is not something you should ever even jump into, like biblical criticism, like where it's a pre-modern kind of faith. I saw what it did with people. I saw how it affected the community. And then I see this other way of doing faith and I'm like, it's hard not to say it's better. You know, it's hard not to say right that because it's like, it
0: feels so much more freeing and yeah. Uh, and, yeah.
1: The, and the results are so much better. You get people in my opinion, the results are you get people who are doing the work of Christ in more compelling ways to me, as opposed to like how it was before, you know, and that, and that's a, uh, so yeah, maybe the better and worse is a crappy way to frame it because where you and I come from, that's the only way to frame everything is better and worse. And like you said, approaching perfection. And I don't think either of us necessarily believe in perfection anymore. There's not one way of doing something that like we're all shadows of and we're trying to approach like some platonic ideal. Um, cause Plato said like there's, you know, ideas, right? The, the idea of a chair, there's a perfect chair that floats out there somewhere and every chair we see is just a little shadow of it. And if you could just make the perfect chair, it would look exactly like that one. And it's like, no. No no no, there's no ideal that's out there that's perfection
0: because the perfect chair depending upon the surface you're going to put it on and the table you're going to put it around. Like there's every and the
1: size of my cheeks.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything is interconnected like that. And even even I agree with you like looking back I can't imagine anything better than the way that I'm able to engage my spirituality now and the questions I'm able to ask unhindered and and free. But if I'm really honest with myself there were there were moments in my life that if that was thrusted upon me, I would not be ready and I might not have right. a faith at all now.
1: And that's where all, all the people who are listening, who respond to us and the people I'm connected to via intersections and stuff where they struggle is they're trying to help their family see why they are where they are. Like they've they've came come to a different place and they want their family to come along, too. And it threatens everything. Right. It's like they're not ready for that. And how do you go about being in this new place? Doing psychology rather than phrenology, for instance, without being like uh, totally offensive or turning people off completely to what you're doing. And I've only discovered one thing. And then my friend, my friend that I had a conversation with, um, who's a pastor, he he has the same thing. And that is, you, you can invite people. That's it. Like, I am totally past argumentation. I'm totally past like all the fighting because I don't see it doing any good, and it's not like it has never won over any converts. It's never done any good for me and my spirituality or even my personhood. What has been good is inviting people into this totally different thing you're doing and just say, hey, just check it out. Like, look, you can make your judgments on it, but try it with me, right? Like, tr- tr- try and try and see what it's like. And that speaks to what you're saying. They're two different things. And their, their, their tools and their methods are not relevant to each other. And so inviting someone to try something else out, that's a way of engaging someone in a meaningful way. And so if you're listening to this and your family, you know, after the holidays and you are trying to like talk about your post evangelicalism or what you, know, what, what, what you found to be profoundly moving and life-giving in your faith, maybe don't frame it in argumentation, even if other people want to just nod your head and like invite people into the stuff you're doing that's different. And like you know, talk about how it's affected you. And I struggle with that because I don't think that there's sometimes
0: even space on our our end of that conversation to do that. Because I think because we're dealing with so many heavy issues in our culture, one after the other, after the that other, has after the other, huge consequences for people's exactly, lives and the planet.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Then yeah. how
0: do we not? How do we number one? How do we not speak up? and then when we don't speak up we're taking flack from our side saying and I don't again, I don't like to use the word side but of course. people know what i'm saying
1: like minded people
0: right exactly and it's 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 difficult because i find it hard to express or verbalize compassion for people who made support trump and may support all these different things because i'm trying to remember when i was in that place and bridge some kind of gap and i feel like at the same time i have a certain amount of privilege that i'm able to do that because i haven't been personally affected by the ideas and the thoughts that 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 encompass that worldview you know um and i don't know not yet at least least not yet when the world burns down you'll
1: you'll be affected
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Climate change arrives at your door.
0: But it hasn't affected my everyday life for a variety of different reasons. Mainly, you know, my gender and color of my skin. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I think that that, that's difficult. So it's hard to know when to speak up and when to say something and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not and I don't think either of us are saying that there's a perfect answer to all this. But I think it certainly helps our own personal well-being and our ability to see through the eyes of someone else if we don't hold too tightly on any one method or even hold too tightly on the fact that 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 I'm better than I was or I'm more evolved than I was that but we different. hold those things loosely but different exactly
1: holding tightly to the I'm different and I'd like to invite you to come check it out. You know, like that, that, that's interesting. That's a much more interesting approach than, than the better and worse.
0: Exactly. And if our, if our approach is all about like in the midst of it, relevancy, like if we are providing some kind of spiritual practice for someone and it's relevant to their life and it's, it, it it's something that can interweave in all areas of their life, then that's antithetical to any religious or belief system that is rigid and confined and never, ever, ever changes.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. And And as far as that, like conversation goes it's classic psychology to not just negate what someone's doing but invite them to something that's positive to frame things positive rather than negative that's like classic right right but we don't do it when it matters the most <laughs> exactly and, and
0: no. neurology teaches us the more heavily way I, we identify with any one identity whether it's our religion our race or anything the least likely we are
1: to accept new ideas right and and that that speaks to the idea that if we're if we're able to invite people to what we're doing, we will feel more ready to step into other people's experiences and learn from them. Like we'll, we'll be able to be invited. Like I want to be able to accept the invitations to learn from people that are different than me. Like I want that. And if I'm, if I'm doing that myself, it just seems like it would grease the gears for it. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. So that's a lot of big stuff that <laughs> I think that's like the big shift. That's the big shift for me that I've been navigating. and. uh I don't want to just break down this episode into here's the nine things you can do to be more spiritually intelligent. <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I,
0: th- I think that you already lose the battle when you start it and frame it that way, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably, but it's true that there are practices right there are things you can do in science measuring p h levels that like help you get a better grasp on what you're doing, and there there are things we can do in our faith that are that you can get better at and get uh more accurate and more um yeah, but at the same time, is it always
0: better for us in every moment to be more aware of what's going on? Like, then how do we then incorporate
1: disconnect and Sabbath oh, for and sure. rest? And- but, but those are tools, too. And it's a, right. It's a, yeah. You wouldn't use a pH uh, litmus test on like a telescope to, for any reason. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, It's not something. It's the appropriateness of the tools that you're using. I think of like weaponry, you know, like a soldier would look at their, to- their toolkit. All these things like I'm getting really good at using handguns. I'm really getting using at this thing. Like as a pacifist, like what are, what the frick are the tools I'm getting really good at using <laughs> in my faith? You know, like these things that actually change and do stuff. And like, I want to get good at them. That's another thing. Like I want to actually master something that matters in my life. I want to get good at it. Like I could do something really good, uh, that makes no difference in the world. Um, I but that's a tool, right?
0: Again. Like you can get, you can get better at podcasting like I think we have right, I think exactly. our podcast has improved but that doesn't necessarily reflect the content like what That's if we true. were just a bunch of neo-nazis and maybe our, our skills are getting better but it doesn't change the fact that our ideas are there so I think yeah. that I think we can get better at the tools and it feels like we're getting better with our ideas but I think more that the tools that we use just help us express them better yeah. than we were able before yeah and but it's there, still a I think
1: there are certain tools in this new in this new place I'm at in this new way of doing faith, that's less like phrenology and more like psychology, less like maybe old school medieval theology and more like something different. Like there are tools there that I'm being introduced to that help me help me engage better meaning and like that bigger stuff that matters. Right. And like, tell Until- the kind of stuff I want to identify that crap and then like actually work at it and do it better but until something
0: else comes along like you talk about the progression of ideas so you go from phrenology to psychology but now you have a lot of people saying well neurology is the next thing that's replacing psychology so where again i think we we get in but it doesn't uh, mean
1: you don't do the you don't do that stuff well exactly exactly so now i'm in this new place i need to know what tools there are because the tools that i used before don't apply anymore like you said they're not relevant like they're they're just not like I was an Iwana memorizing Bible verses and then like slapping them into like one little thing and like you know, proof texting the entire Bible. Like that getting really good at that mattered. It matters less to me now. But doing something verse.
0: better isn't the same as being better.
1: Right. No, I I get it. I just want to identify where I'm at, what the tools are, and to use them better. Like I, I'm not thinking about uh, you know, better or worse. I'm thinking about efficiency and mastery kind of thing. Um I think about uh I played first base. In elementary school, there was this old dude named Ken. He went to the Catholic church in town. So I didn't know him from church. I didn't know him from anything else. He just volunteered to work with our baseball team. We had a really bad baseball field. We lived out in the country, and uh, it's where we practiced before we'd go into town to play all the city kids. And he put me up against a fence and I was going to play first base. And he just threw balls at me like over and over and over. And he's like, you know, if you're first base, sometimes the ball is going to come in low and bounce on the ground. Sometimes it's going to be high. So you have to be able to dig it out of the dirt with your glove. And I was really bad at it when I started and he kept, you know, throwing balls. And then eventually the first time in my life, um, I must've been in like second grade. I discovered that if I worked at something, I could get better at it. That was the very first time in my life. And it's like, I I'm now I'm 30 years old and I'm doing like huge stuff right now. And it's like, what do I want to get better at? Some people, they work their whole lives to get better at a specific sport or, you know, a a specific thing. Like, what am I getting better at? And I, you could just say preaching or something, but like, I think that's something that I have identified for myself, but thinking about faith and religion outside of like my profession, just in general, what are those things that we get better at what's the scooping the 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 ball out of the dirt of at first base you know what I mean right like, yeah, I want to yeah. identify some of that stuff and and work with it I don't know more tools the better you know <laughs> that sounds funny the more <laughs> but the more tools we have in our toolkit the better for for doing this thing we call faith and religion right and
0: but then it's also once you get good at that particular skill it opens up a new perception because the tool and the use of the tool eventually changes you as absolutely. you become the skill because then you realize well now i'm not just zeroed in on i'm digging that ball out of the dirt but now that i've gotten so good and second nature at that aspect i can now see other things that i couldn't see before absolutely because i was so focused on that one thing
1: and that analogy works so well with faith it really does. Right. Exactly.
0: So it's just, it's, it's it's an expanding and it's not something that we can necessarily like that. do or make happen to us, but we have tools like, you know, you but have. Those,
1: but those things you can get really good at. You can't give space for all the other stuff.
0: Exactly. It just becomes second nature. And then right. that, that reflection process is the part of going back to those things that became second nature and, you know, looking at them from time to time. And I think that we have, obviously, the two of us, we have this podcast, which I think is a great way for us to bring some of these ideas out and do that. You have a service every week that right. that can be a place where people can can make those connections. And because you're looking at the world around them and or, or around you and everyone else and bringing that in, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. And and those are the things we concentrate on. You can get better at it, better at it. And you may get better at certain aspects of it. And then you realize the face of your congregation is changing. And now I need to evolve. do
1: something totally different. Yeah, exactly. So well, there happy, we happy we new solved. year. I know. Happy new year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell your friends I ran a cast solves the world problems <laughs> 2018. <laughs> so I think that that that's kind of, you know, how, how do we how do we let go of better or worse? How do we let go of? Yeah, uh,
1: that's the important thing I've arrived at in this episode is that I'm letting go of better and worse evolution, progress, that kind of stuff. And thinking in terms of relevance and difference and invitation. I like that. I'm going to put a pin in that. Put it on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Put a pin in it. We're done. Literally. Um, I'm going to write that down on a post it note. I have a couple blank ones on my screen. So there we go.
0: All right. Well, I think let us know what you think. Um, we've had just a a run of really great email responses from from many of you who are listening every week. And uh, we just really appreciate it. And we'd love to hear more from you. So if you want to add your voice to this particular conversation, you can comment on the show notes at arenacasta.com slash uh, 109. Also in the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the other ways you can like, follow, and contact the show or myself and Alan individually. That's Irenacastcom slash 109. So let us know what you think. Let us know, not even just about this episode, but what. Uh, topics we could do in the future and all that kind of stuff. So uh, again, ironicast.com slash one Oh nine. So on the other side of the music, we will be sharing our new year's resolutions. So again, happy new year to everyone. 2018. Uh, We're going to be sharing our new year's resolutions. I'm pretty sure that both of us, Alan, do you have a new year's resolutions? Has that been yes, a regular practice in your life?
1: It has been. I've kept the last three.
0: You've kept the last three. on Yeah, before
1: that, I never kept, I couldn't keep any of them the whole year. But the last three, I, I did. 2015, I read a book a week. That's 52 books. Uh, and as my nephew says, they were chapter books. <laughs> <laughs> 230 to 250 pages. Like, I forgot the average. It's somewhere around there, a piece. And uh, I did it for a whole year, a book a week. And then 2016, I was a vegetarian. That was my uh, resolution, and I was a vegetarian the whole year. Same thing with 2017. I've, I you know, expanded that one. And then in 2017, I didn't jump off a bridge. So <laughs> I've kept three. There you go. <laughs> so I have kept the last three because I'm still here, and now it's 2018. And I'm so excited for the next one. 2018 is going to be a great year but before i say my resolutions jeff have you ever made a new year's resolution and or kept one i make them every year and uh really i used to i don't know why that surprises me i don't either i mean i
0: I, i'm pretty starting in november i'm looking and thinking about the next year i think part of it has been ministry um i was always pretty uh hyper diligent when it came to planning ahead and making sure information was out there. Like I always had my next year's calendar done by the end of November to make sure like things were going. I would always start thinking about, okay, what can we do to improve this event? Is this something we want to become an annual thing? Is this something we want to do something different with? Like it's always been a part of the way that I've done my life and professionally in ministry, how it's also done too. And then also translated that here to the podcast. Like, you know, I'm always thinking about Mm -hmm. how things are moving forward and, and what kind of you know, I'm very liturgical thinking in my in my right. flow in through through the year. So I always make New Year's resolutions and I almost always failed at them. And it took me a long time to realize, well, it's okay. Like just because I failed at them doesn't mean I shouldn't make them because at least I did something that I wouldn't have done if I didn't make that thing in the first place. So I'm totally fine with abandoning my New Year's resolution like a month in or sometimes six months in, or sometimes getting through the whole year and exactly doing it, because sometimes I realize I make a resolution in my head And eventually it gets to a point where it's more about completing the resolution than actually doing something that's beneficial for me. So I've learned to come to a place where I'm like, eh, okay, well, this isn't for me. And I'm just going to move
1: on, move forward. I kind of did that once. Do you remember making a resolution with me? I don't know if it was. I do. I remember (laughs) you abandoned me halfway through the year. I think there was some sort of mix up because I didn't realize you would respond as hard as you did. Uh, we were like, we're not going to drink anything but water for a whole year, whole year or something like that. A whole year? Was it a whole year? It was a whole year. And then six months, six months in, I abandoned it <laughs> for six months. I drank only water. Uh, but then I found out like a couple months in, or maybe this was before you made an exception. You were like, uh, we can, you can drink anything, just water. But you can drink milkshakes because that doesn't count as a drink. <laughs> Do you remember saying that? Yes. And like, and because of that, I had just been introduced to beer and I was super excited. And I lived right next to the Firestone Brewery. And that was like before it became big. So it was just amazing, right? And I was so excited about beer. Then we did this stupid resolution thing. And you made that loophole. So, Jeff, I uh I did the worst thing in my life. I made a beer milkshake. Thinking that, like, this, I would be able to enjoy a beer by doing it. And it was the grossest thing I've ever tasted in my entire life. It was so disgusting. You made it wrong. And I think it was right after that that I, uh, then I just actually broke it. You did? Because I was so devastated. And Jeff, you were so upset. I think I, I, I drank other stuff for like a month or something. And I was like, okay, I'll make it up to you. I'm going to do it. And like, you were back, you know, your, your year was up. I was like, I'll do six months. And so I did six months of actually drinking just water. And so I, I fulfilled it, just not in,
0: it's not the, the thing, no. it's not the same thing, It's not the same thing. You abandoned me in my hour. It was the one time that I let everybody
1: down, all right?
0: <laughs> and a uh, milkshake so is not a drink. It's clearly a dessert.
1: That sounds like a, a Jeff like logic right there. So what me. you're <laughs> saying is, if I had a bowl
0: of ice cream and it eventually melted into liquid, I couldn't finish it because it was now a drink. No, right? It, if it's no, that's not the case.
1: Amorphous it has to be a drink is considered liquids.
0: like throughout this whole process. That's what it is. Yes or no? Amorphous,
1: amorphous solids or not solids? That's the question. You know, I don't think we can answer that because neither of us are.
0: We can't. I answered it. I'm right.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of that game we once played. Is it a sandwich? Is that was that on? Uh, That was on this podcast. That was on this podcast. Yeah. It was a while ago. I don't remember what episode. You, me, and Mona have had so many conversations outside the podcast that I can't remember if sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Right. Because I I remember that was really funny. I was like, you can't just put a hammer between two pieces of bread and say it's a sandwich. Oh, God. That was so much fun. Um, Do you have a. uh, Obviously, I've been drinking way too much coffee. Holy crud. Um, Do you have a New Year's resolution for 2018?
0: 2018. Yes, I do. So. In regard to what I said earlier, as far as like, I, my resolutions are not um, things anymore. In the sense that I'm going to do this thing every day or every week, like work out or whatever. My, I, I think maybe I've 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 got to the point where my years have themes, right? <laughs> so like, yeah. this is the mode that I want to be in this year. So for me, the 2018 is the year of creativity. So I have a tendency to overthink things. For instance, this podcast started, as, as far as an inception and an idea, uh, about four years before it actually started, <laughs> before right. I did something about it. I yeah. I have a tendency to, because I'm a tech geek, I buy a lot of stuff and I like to fool around with it and stuff like that. And sometimes I get so preoccupied with like the stuff that I don't really get into the actual doing part. So I have all this knowledge and all this equipment to do these things that I want to do, but I just... Don't dive into it, probably because I'm I like things to look at. I like things to be right. And I don't want to put something out there that is not up to my standard. And I think that's to my detriment. Creativity
1: involves a lot of putting stuff out there and doing stuff wrong and experimenting and getting better at it. Like creativity is a very vulnerable place to be.
0: Exactly. And as you know, Alan, I am not a very vulnerable person. (laughs) It's something that I work on a lot. So. I'm, I'm – th- this year, I re- there's a lot of things that I want to do, a lot of things that I've been planning and thinking about, a lot of things that I have equipment for. Um, so particularly around cinematography and photography and videos and stuff like that that I want to move into the next level for. So I've committed this year to be the year of creativity where I'm going to just start doing
1: those things. You need to give yourself permission like, you know, you and I felt that with myself too. Sometimes I feel like I have to give myself permission to actually do something, even if it's going to suck or doesn't matter or isn't relevant at the moment to create whatever you want to create, give yourself permission to do it. You know, right. like that's right. That's cool. So that is, awesome. that is
0: what I'm doing this year. It's going to be, uh, because I have, I have a feeling that this year is going to be a difficult one on certain levels. And, uh, I, I realized that in this process, And I've realized this in bits and pieces, but I don't realize the extent of it. Like when I was in youth ministry, I mean, you're essentially a pastor in the sense that you are in charge of a weekly service and like you're directing an entire church within a church. There's a lot of more similarities than, say, an associate, which I've been for a long time at this church where you do one aspect of it, but you don't really have your own congregation, your own group. Right. And um, there's a lot of things that I like to do, like video wise, audio, like all those things I could put all of them into the creativity of putting together a service, putting together the youth ministry. It utilized all my modes of creativity. And uh, and although the podcast has helped, it's a narrow skill set, right? Like it's where we're working on. Some video or some images because we've, you know, we have different images for each episode and all that kind of stuff. And then we have the audio and we have the ideas that we're talking about and stuff like that. But it's still a narrow focus of things that I like to bring into the space. And then I don't have a lot of opportunities in my church side to do the same thing. Cause again, I don't, I'm, I have to be subject to where the whole church is going. And I'm not the one that's there to direct the whole church. So, uh, so I need that outlet again. And it's especially helpful when, there's other transition in my life and I'm trying to figure all that stuff out. All that to say, follow me on Instagram. Hopefully you'll see some of my <laughs> stuff soon.
1: <laughs> if this year ends up being a creative one. <clears throat> um, so for me, I've, uh, <clears throat> I started a secret little WordPress blog. Um, I don't know why I just said that. Cause it's supposed to be secret. Kind of my name's on there uh, to track this new year's resolution. So because I've kept three, Sorry for the tongue-in-cheek joke about 2017. I now have chosen something that's going to really push me for 2018. And last year, I went to the gym 200 times. In the 365 days, I was like at the gym. I checked in on my phone 200 times. Crazy amount. And you add all the hiking and the working out at other places. Like for, for about a year, starting in November, December of 2016, all the way through this last year, I worked out a lot. And it was really fun. But toward the end, I like kind of gave up on cardio days (laughs) and gained some weight back. And like uh, this year, I'm doing two things. It's a two-part resolution. I'm going to go to the gym every single day of 2018, six days a week. I'm going to hit every cardio day. I'm not going to skip any of them. And if I'm sick or I can't find a gym, if I walk one mile in one setting, like one sitting, uh, that counts as a day at the gym. So... I'm going to do it for all of 2018, every single day with one day of rest a week, um, to see what happens. Cuz I you know, I I know what it's like to quit. I don't know what it's like not to quit. <laughs> so I'm going to go for it. And the second thing is, I'm going to be 100% plant-based. Uh I've been a vegetarian for 2 years and there, it's been wonderful and I've done some like spats of veganism, but this year I'm going to do 100% no Animal products just completely plant based while working out. So, I'm gonna try to get to be the biggest vegan there's ever been. (laughs) Well, good luck to you on that veganism. I know it's gonna be fun. Last night, I had a lot of cheese, you know, like that. That was like the end of my 2017,
0: (laughs) just to prepare.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I made little mini pizzas like my family always does on English muffins. And put a bunch of mozzarella on them and stuff. And so I was at the gym like with a stomach full of cheese today. But I did not. This year is going to be awesome. It's going to be lots of lentils and beans and rice, Jeff. It's going to be so much fun. I yeah. can't wait. You have fun with that. All those are good things, just not the only thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's broccoli and sweet potatoes and...
0: I'll be thinking of you when I and... queue up my first tri-tip of the year.
1: <laughs> well, I haven't had meat in so long, dude. The only thing I actually miss when it comes to meat, only one thing. Like, I don't really miss steak. I don't really miss burgers. None of it. Actually, it all kind of sounds really gross, even bacon. But the thing that, like, I actually would... I do miss is sushi, fish. I miss fish so much, like the taste of salmon and stuff. That's the only thing that would, like come across my brain anyway so if you want (laughs) to right before this episode jeff i actually filmed myself talking to the camera for the first time in my adult life isn't that the worst is the worst i i haven't purposefully like got in front of a camera and stood up and walked around and stuff to like show my body and myself and talk about myself since i was in junior high that's the last time i actually wanted to do it and so i like I, like, t- showed my body, what I look like, talked about being, you know, going to be plant-based. This stuff is never going to go on YouTube, right? Probably. Probably never. But, you know, if something happens and I need to use it as a reference point, I can use screenshots or little clips and stuff from it. But I talked for a full 13 minutes. I'm really proud of myself because um, it wasn't a pretty sight to watch. And uh, I have a lot of self-love to learn and care about myself.
0: That's tough. Like when we started this podcast, I think probably the hardest part was getting to listen to my voice over and over again and being like, but then you get used to it. Um, And I, you know, talking about the year of creativity and doing video stuff. uh, I've also been um, talking to the camera because I'm talking like looking at vlogging stuff and all that kind of stuff and doing something. And it's been. It's been brutal. Like I I can't. Like I it's I it's weird how I you could put me in front of a in a whole congregation full yeah, of people a thousand to talk. 1000
1: people, you'd be like gangbusters. We're totally fine but when I'm
0: in a room alone talking to a camera, <laughs> it's it feels so ridiculous. weird. It's so weird.
1: You have to just do it over and over until it's no longer weird. You, it's it's I know, it, it, and that's your therapy.
0: that's exactly what it is cuz that's what happened here. So hopefully, hopefully I'll have stuff because I do plan. I want to get that stuff out there, uh, uh, in some way, shape, or form. But I don't know what it's gonna look. That's
1: like. That's so funny. I uh, early on in this podcast, I used to hate how I sounded, and I was so like meticulous about like, Jeff, take this part out. I really don't like the way I sound here. Blah blah blah. Like I don't care anymore.
0: <laughs> Which I'm thankful for because <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> your workload. Is Sometimes those tiny edits bit. were brutal. Yeah, I like 35 edits. Like. <laughs> Uh, I still laugh a little bit too much, but you know, that's a good thing.
0: Like it Michael is a good thing, says,
1: what are my flaws? I don't know. I volunteer too much. Sometimes <laughs> I hit people with my car. <laughs> that's the typical
0: response. I that's laugh such a, a little too much horrible question. Like anyway, <laughs> I hate that. I, every job interview I've ever had that,
1: that question has been asked. Weaknesses? Like, what are your weaknesses? What, you, what, what am, am I, I going to say? Like, what am I really going to say? Exactly. <laughs> I, you know what I've always said? I have a hard time with boundaries, like setting boundaries on myself. I do put too much in and sometimes I burn out (laughs) and they're like, Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Well, that's what they want to hear. Right.
1: I know. I guess so. But it's true about me. Like I, I do more work than I'm paid for. And that like, that's not sustainable. And so that's what I tell people is that I have to, I like really struggle to set boundaries and to say no sometimes. And like, that's, that's not good to have inside of a an employee, you know? Maybe it is
0: if you want to work them to death.
1: For two years. <laughs> and that's it.
0: I always say, well, my biggest weaknesses are my strengths because everything's a double-edged sword. And, that's right. That's like and, Michael Scott right there. Yeah, well, it my is. My weaknesses are my strengths. Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I care too much. That's what it is.
0: All right. Well, that will do it for us this week. And um, Alan, how can people find what you're doing and what you have going on?
1: You know, I might as well. Jeez. Uh, The website that I created that I'm going to be updating once a month. I'm only going to weigh in once a month uh, rather than every day like I've been doing for the last however many years. And I'm going to post my results and write a little little blurb at mudbeforeblood.wordpress.com. And all the usual ways. Facebook is a great way. I, ever since I started saying Facebook, I've had listeners actually add me and follow me. Uh, I may or may not accept your friend request, but if you hit friend, you know, it subscribes to my Facebook feed. And so I've had some good interactions with people um, there. But yeah, I have Instagram and all that other stuff. You can find me if you look hard enough.
0: Nice. So we'll, we'll add that, that website to your bio in the show notes. So irenicast.com slash one Oh nine, and you'll see a little bio for both of us. And we'll add Alan's, uh new blog no. <laughs> new thing in the show notes you can find out his progress encourage him along uh send him audio clips of the rocky theme and he'll be ready to go dude actually yeah i
1: could use that <laughs> as a kid that was always yeah i love that song
0: it's still great it's still great i'm
1: not going to wax poetic about it right now i'll just shut up <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh you can follow me on all the socials at jeff manildi and listen on the second fourth Thursday of every month to my other podcast, Divine Cinema, at DivineCinema.net and uh, I don't have anything extra that I'm starting, but uh, follow me probably particularly on Instagram if you're curious to see some of the stuff that I put out there, uh, because I will be posting more regularly to there than any other place um, <clears throat> and then if you're on Facebook, you can find me on Facebook If you if you send a request to my personal page, I probably won't answer it, but I do have a public page, which is um, also, in the show notes here as well. Uh, as for Irenacast, if you enjoy what we do here, recommend us to a friend or leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to. We would really appreciate it. Or you can take your support of the show to the next level by considering going to Irenacast.com/slash Amazon before you make. Na- Before you make your next purchase on Amazon, and then just shop as usual. By using the link, we'll receive a small percentage of your purchase without any extra cost to you. That'll help us a little in covering some of the costs associated with running the podcast. That's irenacast.com/slash Amazon. So for this week and this upcoming year, I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation.